0: I'm Jim, it's another week and it's another alternative football podcast. In the week that a new survey found that men spend on average 3.5 hours a week watching football compared to just 2.1 hours a week having sex, Uh. to me that's reasonable. 3.5 hours a week is under 3 games of football every 7 days, whereas 2.1 hours of sex is just a load of people lying. (laughs) Either way we're gonna crack through the best football type stories from the last seven days so you'll have plenty of time for both. This week a quick lesson in football commentary we ask is Blatter back and a big storm in a little pint cup but first is the unthinkable about to happen in North London? tell at the moment if calls for Louis van Gaal's head at Manchester United are beginning to die down a bit, or if it's just becoming white noise because it never actually stops. But either way, the finger of sacking fate has been pointing away from the Dutchman this week and towards a Frenchman. The unsackable Arsene Wenger isn't having the best of times at the moment, his Arsenal team's hope of silverware have seemingly vanished faster than a replica Sunderland jersey with Johnson 11 on the back. In a matter of weeks, it's gone from expectations of a treble to no hope of anything. With disappointing league form, a European exit well ahead of the referendum, and maybe most painfully of all, getting dumped out of the FA Cup. I say most painfully because having won at the last two seasons, only a few days earlier, fans were saying stuff like this. They should rename the FA Cup the Arsenal Cup. They should rename it. Yeah, they call it the Arsenal Cup. Do you know what I mean? It's our cup. It's our cup, mate. I'm telling you, we're going to do the double, man. Yeah, maybe hold off the renaming ceremony just yet. Surely the club can't be reverting to form and heading once again for the fourth position, which, given the early optimism, has got to hurt, particularly when former Manchester United midfielder and current professional ginger-winger Paul Skulls is scoring points off you like this. The last thing I want for Manchester United is is for them to be happy with winning the FA Cup and coming fourth in the Premier League. That's what Arsenal do every year. Mm. That can't happen at Man United. Ooh, low blow. So what about United? Amazingly, somehow, they're still in with a chance of success in the FA Cup, with all the other big clubs seemingly trying as hard not to win that as they are trying not to win the league at the moment. And yes, while LVG has been avoiding SOME of the criticism this week, that abuse has all been soaked up by the massive hair of Marouane Fellaini. Even former referee supremo Howard Webb had a bit of a pop at the half-man half-tree after a particularly… combative display in Europe. There's one thing imposing yourself physically on a game, isn't there? But there's another thing, being a thug on the field, and it seems week in, week out, he can't get through a game without, without violently throwing his arm into people's faces. Harsh, but it's true if his shot was as deadly as his elbows, United would be in a much better position. But what did the man himself say about that criticism? I just defend myself. I'm physical. I like to win my challenge when I play a game. I just defend myself. I just defend myself, I like to smash my elbow into an opposition's face, I enjoy kicking people in the shins, I'll elbow your grandmother in the ribs if I had the chance, but no, I'm not a dirty player. That's defending himself in the same way the US government defends itself. preemptive and with huge brute force. But Scolzi is probably right. The FA Cup isn't going to be enough to satisfy fans because it just doesn't mean as much as it used to. That's been blamed on a load of different things. The amount of games in a season, cup games being used to blood young players, the dominance of the Premier League. But I think it comes down to one main significant reason. And FA, if you're listening, take my advice. If you don't want to devalue the FA Cup, stop putting the draw for the next round on the one show and good luck to everyone involved in that FA Cup draw now on the one show we chat to Giles who has been learning how to knit cardigans for homeless badgers in the Isle of Wight it's just not right It's hard to see how FIFA will ever move out from under the shadow of Sepp Blatter. Football's evil overlord's legacy is hanging around like a Sky Sports News reporter at a training ground on transfer deadline day. With the publication of FIFA's annual reports, we finally get to know the amount that Sepp Blatter was taking home, and that's not including any large piles of cash that he happened to find lying around in the office. Blatter was pocketing a cool £2.6 million a year. That's about a tenth of what Barack Obama, the actual president, gets. Yes, we can. And it works out at about £1,200 an hour. Certainly enough to keep Sepp in brown paper envelopes, and he's probably not going to be worrying about which heating tariff he's on at the moment either. But at least we can move on, onto a new, clean honest FIFA under the leadership of new president and professional thumb impersonator Gianni Infotano. Right? Right? Anyone? I'm right, yeah? Well they are certainly moving on and this week they signed their first sponsorship deal since all this corruption stuff happened a few years ago. It's with the Wanda Group, chaired by China's richest man Wang Jianlin, or as I like to call him, Chairman Wang. Sitting alongside Wang and amongst its key personnel is a certain Mr. Philippe Blatter, Sepp Blatter's nephew. I'm sorry about that. The Chinese Property and Cinema Group have agreed to be a key sponsor for the next four World Cups. That takes it up to 2030, which coincidentally is the first time China would be able to host a World Cup. Incidentally, the Wonder Group also hold the broadcasting rights to the next two World Cups in 26 Asian territories, including China. I'm not a betting man, but I'd say the 2030 World Cup being held in China was as inevitable as Daniel Sturridge being out of the Euros with another hamstring injury. (laughs) Weeks back, I mentioned an amazing bit of commentary from BBC Leicester that showed exactly what the Foxes' amazing season means to some people. Barney, Volley! oh yes, oh yes, that's goal of the season. Jamie body what a finish! Watch it again, watch it again, and watch it again. But as is so often the case with English football, we have been outdone by our South American cousins. This week, I found this clip. It's coverage from Brazil as Tottenham beat Manchester City. Did you hear that shout of goal? I clocked that at 42 seconds. That's long enough for Hussein Bolt to run the 100 metres four times and have a little bit of a rest afterwards. 9.58! Can you believe it? But have you ever wondered where that celebration comes from? Here's a fact for you. The commentator's goal! Cheer started in South America because the commentary teams were so far away from the action on the pitch. When someone scored a goal, they had to send a runner down to the pitch to find out who'd actually put the ball in the onion bag. And because that process took a long time, they had to fill that gap somehow. And that's where the elongated celebration came from. Compare that to this. I'm going to show you how us commentators fill the time between now and the start of the game. That's BBC Radio 5 Live's Connor McNamara. Recently, he revealed on the BBC website how he prepares for a commentary match and he's got some interesting ideas. My method is derived from the football stickers that I used to collect as a child. I create a sticker for each player. It's got his photo, age, height, number of goals he scored this season. Stickers is a good idea, but you look at his collection. He's not got any shinies, he's not got any swapsies, and the whole thing falls apart when the big commentator from the year above wants your Sergio Aguero and flushes your head down the toilet at half <laughs> I'd imagine it's somewhat different in Brazil. Maybe a few classes of caperina, a samba on the beach beforehand and then, with just hours to go, lock yourself in a room, loads of deep breaths and shouting at the top of your voice. (laughs) Weirdly, that's how I prepare for this podcast. Although, I do my deep breaths and shouting whilst I'm slowly rocking back and forth in the shower. It's not often the MK Dons make the on the left side podcast and so for this rare appearance they can thank Samir Carruthers who has been making the headlines at the centre of a Daily Mail-esque outrage storm after he and a group of other footballers were snapped urinating into pint glasses at the Cheltenham horsey thing. They'd had a few drinks and they came in for a bit of flack and rather over dramatically Samir came out with this very sincere apology. I'm sorry to everyone, my family, the club, the chairman, the gaffer, and I've let everyone down. I've let the community down, I've let Milton Keynes down. He also added that he didn't want to be known as the idiot who urinated in a pint glass. Sorry mate, but that kind of thing just isn't up to you. For example, Gary Lineker is that fella who likes crisps rather than one of England's most prolific strikers. Paul Gascoigne will be remembered more for delivering a bucket of chicken and some fishing rods to Raoul Moat rather than that goal against Scotland in Euro 96. And for some, Pele isn't the greatest footballer the world has ever seen. He's the guy from the erectile dysfunction advert. Don't be a doctor. I will. So no matter what you go on to achieve in and out of football, you are always going to be that guy. They've won it against all the odds and captain Samir Carruthers lifts the cup above his head once again and this time it's not full of piss like at Cheltenham. Amazing scenes. Another week wrapped up in podcast form. Done. If you enjoyed it then hit subscribe and you'll get next week's dropped straight into your podcast inbox. Pretty good, eh? Right, I'm about to see how many people I can convince to call Jurgen Klopp's return to Borussia Dortmund in the Europa League El Clopico because that's full time. Let us get us. On the left side is a Paint Your Headphones production, written and produced by Ant McGinley and Jim Salverson. If you'd like to write for On the Left Side, then why not start with an email to hello at ontheleftside.co.uk. <laughs>